Welcome to the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast, where we remember a time when stacks of cards were held together with rubber bands and Mickey Mantles were put in bike spokes. We hope you will enjoy and reminisce as you come along with us as we tell stories about the baseball cards from the Golden Age of Baseball. We will examine the state of the vintage baseball card market and talk to some of the greatest collectors in the hobby. You won't be hearing us talk about any chrome or shiny cards here. Now, to take you on this retrospective journey, here's your host, direct from the shallow end of the gene pool, my son, Mike Moynihan. Yo and hello everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast. I am your host, Mike Moynihan, and happy to be here with you guys and for another episode. Uh, again, just past the one-year mark and the support that I have garnered from people for this podcast has been unbelievable. Hundreds and hundreds of you listen every week, hundreds and hundreds more watch on YouTube every week, and I couldn't be more happy with the response that I get, the letters, the uh, I should the private messages on Instagram. All of those are encouraging and inspiring, and really <clears throat> keep me going. And so I really appreciate it. Uh, this is going to be a first tonight. I'm going to talk about a topic with my guest, who is a subject matter expert in it. And it's always good to get smarter people than you because this is a subject. And why it's a first is that I don't know a whole lot about this topic. Usually I like to talk about things that I kind of can hang with the discussion, you know, and be able to actually add valuable input. Tonight I will be adding very little valuable input, but I think I've got some good questions that I hope you guys uh, will find compelling and have maybe even thought about yourself. The topic du jour is going to be vintage unopened and whether it's boxes or packs or rack packs or whatever uh, there's a lot in the unopened space and there's a huge niche for that niche niche both either i don't know but i'm going to talk about that with my guest tonight uh, it's brandon from brandon's baseball cards and i'm really excited he has a great channel on youtube he's going to tell you about that here shortly and we're going to just dive into everything unopened. I'm really excited to talk about it because, again, not something I'm hugely familiar with. But first, I want to tell you guys about the show sponsor. We actually have a show sponsor, and we're very grateful for that. And that is Card Hedge. If you're listening on the podcast, uh, I'm showing right now on the YouTube video a, a, a their website splash page. It is the cardhedger.com or cardhedger.com, I should say. They are a great resource for people if you want to research, manage, track your collection. It's just a kind of a one-stop shop, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of cards that are there to manage your collection and to kind of get pricing and all that kind of stuff and stay ahead of the game in this crazy hobby that we live in. So I want to thank Card Hedge for being a sponsor of the show and go check them out. All right, let's get to the show because... This is going to be fun for me. I'm going to go ahead and bring Brandon on right now. Brandon, welcome to the show. How are you, buddy? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Mike? Thanks for having me. I'm doing well, and you're welcome. Uh, you and I have known each other 
a year or two, maybe. Does that sound about right? Yeah, I think uh, two years now. You were the first subscriber to my YouTube channel. <laughs> well, <laughs> so <laughs> thanks for that. <laughs> You're welcome. I really, and this is going to sound probably very cheesy, but mm -hmm. I love discovering new channels. I love, and I love helping new channels grow, mm -hmm. especially when they are doing. Here's the thing. You got to do something different, right? If you're just coming on to me, if you don't differentiate yourself, it's very difficult to stand out in the crowd and sea of YouTube content creators about the sports card hobby. Right. And you are definitely unique. And I really, I like you, you are not afraid to share your opinion on certain things. And I love that. <laughs> uh, you're, you're definitely not out to just say what, you know, the party line might be, so to speak on a certain mm -hmm. issue. You, you speak your mind. I appreciate that. Respect that. And you have a knowledge about unopened that I have tremendous respect for. I watch all your videos, by the way, and I'm always going, man, that's really cool. And that's a Pandora's box that I do not want to open <laughs> in terms of starting to collect unopened. Sure. So I live vicariously through you by seeing what you're getting constantly. And uh, I know one of my favorite things that you and I share is we did a we on bench clear did a video i guess it was last late last year with our wives mm -hmm. do you remember that that that's yes, literally one of the favorite pieces of content that i think we have put out on bench clear in the year and a half that we've been doing stuff because it's different mm -hmm. right did your wife enjoy that yes she did she had a great time with it and it was nice yeah. uh, to interact with other spouses uh, of collectors kind of gave some perspective <laughs> on you know yeah. there, there's a lot of different ways to collect and as you point out what i do is very different than you know the way a lot of other people collect but it was it was a lot of fun she had a great time yeah she probably realized that you're not as crazy as like some of us like poor Julie, <laughs> she has to deal with you know it's it's all relative right and she made all perspective on that that's <laughs> good uh so let's get right into the topic because I have a bunch of questions for you. Sure. First of all, how did you get started into unopened? Like why, what's the attraction for you? Why do you love it so much? Mm -hmm. You know, what's your collecting history a little bit, kind of tell people that story. Sure. Uh, it really started like a lot of my collecting with my grandfather. I've been collecting since I was about six years old and he has a card room in his house in Florida where I grew up and I would go back there and as a kid and just, plunder through cards. And he's really the one that got me started. And, uh, he, at the entrance to his card room, he had a whole bunch of vintage wax packs, 1971 tops football, 1971 Opeachy baseball, uh, a 1961 Fleer football wax pack, some really, really cool old wax packs. And I always asked him, where did you get these from? And he was just, he, it was, he'd been collecting long enough. He couldn't really remember. He's like, ah, oh, that was just a trade a long time ago. I don't really know much about those. And I was just intrigued. Why weren't these opened? Why are these still in the original packaging? And the artwork was cool on them. And so, uh, and a few of them over the years, we actually did open up some of them now with the way the market is, it was a, not the smartest decision, but um, <laughs> that's hindsight, I guess for you. But um, that's, he, that's really how I got started. And then, but I didn't really collect unopened until maybe five years ago. 
give or take. I started with uh, wax packs, graded wax packs. So I bought some 79 tops baseball wax packs, some 81 tops football wax packs. Basically, any any pack that I like the artwork on it, I bought it. And then for whatever reason, after maybe a year of doing that, I bought a, a 54 Bowman football uh, penny pack at the National in 2018. So that was pretty wild because that's, for me, that was you know such an old pack that the fact that it's unopened is insane. Um, and then uh, I, for whatever reason, for the past couple of years, I've just been rack packs. That's my sole focus. I don't do cellos because they're hard to authenticate. If you buy it raw on eBay and it's vintage, there's a chance you're getting screwed, you know, that it's been resealed. It's hard to tell. With uh, rack packs, I, I feel confident in my knowledge base, and that's why I really focus on now. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome about your grandfather. Um, I think collecting the, the gene mm -hmm. is certainly handed down from generation to generation. My dad has a collecting gene. I think my grandfather did. I didn't know him. He died when I was really young. Mm -hmm. But point being, you had that somebody, you know, got you interested and in, there was a light and he encouraged that, you know, he didn't, uh, squash that and say, Oh, don't do this kid. It's not worth your time. It sounds like he was very encouraging. Yes. And I think uh, sometimes too encouraging because there've been times where he's, Oh no, 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 no. You uh, come, come back to the car, you know, and come back to the card room, look at some more stuff with me, you know, and it's, it's fun, but it's also, as you know, the more that you look, the more you go and buy stuff and it's a vicious cycle to, <laughs> to go down. So I try to, it's a constant struggle to moderate, you know, and, and to ask myself, is this something you need right now? Or, you know, but I think that's a struggle we all have. <laughs> if only we all had unlimited funds. We'd have, yeah, no, right? no yeah. <laughs> but that's part of the fun is trying to juggle that and trying to make decisions. Mm -hmm. You know, it's part of life, right? And yeah. everything and cards are no different. You have to go, well, do I want this or that? I can only get one, you know, and that's yeah. kind of how we all live. I think we have to live that way. Um, so just talking about, unopened in general. Okay. Sure. And I know you're, you're, you specialize in unopened rack packs, but mm -hmm. I want to kind of just explore the whole idea of unopened. I mean, wait, other way behind me down there, I have mm -hmm. some unopened boxes. Uh, most of it's modern stuff. I have like an 81 Fleer unopened box, uh, 87 tops, but that stuff, you know, the 80s stuff is relatively easy to find. Although every time a box is opened, there's one less box out there to be sealed, right? And mm -hmm. it's not infinite in terms of the number of unopened pieces out there. And, you know, I see things like at the National, they opened a 1955 Bowman pack. Do you remember that? that was, yes, uh, I do. When they pulled the mantle. Yeah. They pulled a mantle. That's right. And it graded a, I want to say a nine. I think it did. It graded a nine. If that sounds right. And I thought, to myself, how awesome I, I was like totally conflicted, right? Like mm -hmm. so cool that they're that they opened that pack and conflicted in that 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 that's it. It's gone. Like there is no it's not an unopened pack anymore. And so the the whole joy of pack opening for all of us as a kid or even now as an adult mm -hmm. is what's inside this pack. I wonder what's in here. We know from years and years of experience, decades of experience, that most of the time it's not a whole lot in that pack, right? 
but it's this it's this gambling mentality this but this time could be different i could hit the lottery on this pack that makes the idea of an unopened pack just incredibly tempting right you're like sure wait this pack is meant to be opened it's not meant to stay sealed forever it, it was made to be opened yes absolutely well so, and, sure go ahead oh no ahead. and i and i was just going to uh, say uh, you have to remind yourself in those moments, especially if it's vintage, right? And th there's still quite a bit of product out there, as you pointed out, from the 80s. You know, there's a lot of 81 Fleer, 81 Tops, even going into the uh, late 70s. There's a lot of 78 Tops still out there unopened, 79 Tops out there unopened. Um, but when you start to get to the really rare stuff, you know, uh, the 75 Tops, 76 Tops, 77, 1977 is really the point where the rarity starts to set in. For whatever reason, that's the that? you don't know the reason. Um, not necessarily. Uh, it's and it seems exclusive to cello and rack packs more so. It seems like seventy-seven cello and racks. There's still quite a bit of seventy-seven tops wax out there, but for whatever reason, cellos and racks are just in few, um, few and far between. Starting at that point, so anything past that, it's just doesn't make sense financially to risk the gamble of opening Even it. Yeah, of opening it because even, even if you if have, you hit, yeah, even if you get the best card in the set that you could hit, yeah, yeah, it's still worth more unopened than potentially what that card would be worth. Exactly. Well, to give you some perspective, I, I have a couple of seventy-seven tops racks that I'm going to show that I'm going to show, and these are probably nine hundred dollars a pack, give or take. What are the odds that even if you open it? Okay, you pull the Dawson rookie or you pull the Dale Murphy and it's a seven or an eight, which happens all the time. <laughs> Could easily be a seven. You've just destroyed this artifact, this survivor, if you will. And you have now a card, which is cool, but not uncommon or, or you know, not hard to get a hold of. If you're, if right. you want a Dale Murphy rookie, you can get one. Like there's no if sands or butts about it yeah so to me that's where that's the year anything past that i understand the gambler's mentality a little bit more but you know the the truly vintage stuff just i just wish people would keep their hands off of it to tell you the truth <laughs> but i'm also biased because i want to collect it so so the earliest stuff i've ever seen sure opened is in 2019 i believe baseball card exchange had some 52 tops unopened mm -hmm. packs Mm -hmm. they had, I think they had like a group of them or or something like that. And the price was insane, like a quarter million dollars, something. This was even pre sure, you know, hobby explosion. And I remember looking at that and it was a series where you could not get a mantle. Yeah. So that wasn't even on the table of pulling a mantle. Uh, but because it wasn't in the right series, which is funny because they all look the same to me. How do you tell what series they are? You know, there's mm -hmm. so much nuance to it. And again, it's an area that has quite frankly, just like, ah, I don't want to have to learn something all brand new. I'll just learn from Brandon. <laughs> but what's the earliest stuff you've seen? Yeah. The, the earliest that, that uh, there's some 51 tops that, that uh, I've seen, I've seen uh, 1948 Bowman, um, there, there was a find a while back of a, of a semi, a partial box of 1948 Bowman baseball. Wow. Uh, that was just insane. It went at auction. I don't even know what it went for, uh, but just a, <laughs> and they were gorgeous packs, just cherry. <laughs> I don't know where this box was preserved, but normally time, you know, time takes a toll 
especially on wax and things that tear easy. Uh, right. And so that's probably the oldest that I've seen. Um, the oldest rack pack that I've actually seen would probably be in person would be a 1957 Topps football rack that uh, Kevin Savage cards actually had at this year's national as one of his showcase items alongside a Mickey Mantle rookie card, a Topps Mantle rookie. Okay. Uh, I'd never seen one of those before. Um, but, I, but I did see that, that brick of 52 Topps that Steve at BBC had, and it was a brick of eight and it ended up selling for almost half a million dollars. Okay. Half wow. a million bucks. And and it well, wasn't the main. And I couldn't remember what the price was. Yeah. Right. And they're 90. Way out of my said, range. Oh, oh yeah. No, I was just, I just went by and just stared at it. Cause it was just right. amazing, but he was 99% sure it was the low series. It wasn't right. the mantle series. So, you know, the, uh, the value in that is really in the fact that it's still unopened without right. the mantle, without the, you know, Jackie Robinson, without the Campanella, without some of these really key cards that you would want to hit, try to get in an eight or a nine. So if somebody wants to, you know, investigate, Mm -hmm. buying unopened racks like sure. or unopened just period so mm -hmm. like i would say for me i'd go okay i wouldn't mind having a 73 tops baseball pack or a 73 tops baseball rack because that's the mm -hmm. year i was born that's kind of this watershed set for me i just really have a lot of in there i mean horrible pictures and horribly off center and all these sure. things that are wrong with 73 tops but I still had it's still near and dear to me. So if I wanted to go out and find one of those, is it mm -hmm. possible to even find that kind of stuff? Yes, absolutely. Um, I will say you have to find dealers that are willing to let go of it, which sometimes is the hardest part. There's quite a bit of unopened from the seventies around. The problem is a lot of the guys are like me. And once they get it in their collection, they're like, no, this is mine now. So if you want it, you're going to have to offer me something amazing in trade. It's why we trade a lot in the unopened community because that's really the only way to get something awesome is to sh put something kind of pretty sweet on the table yourself as part of a trade. Um, and so, um, but it's out there, but there's, there's nuance to it because especially with cello packs, there are cello packs that Steve Hart authenticated that there was one guy in particular who was so good at resealing that he fooled Steve Hart. I forget wow. the ex I forget the exact number, but Steve Steve's the man, and he, uh, he got a lot of packs past him. That the collation we know now is completely wrong on the packs. So, for example, a seventy-five top cello pack cannot have George Brett or Robin Yount on top. It can't. Only only on the back. You will see PSA graded versions floating around with Brett on top. People see it and go, oh my gosh, a 75 cello with bread on top. It's got to be real. It's graded by PSA. Uh, Steve Hart is acknowledged. He, he just says, uh, I think uh, the gentleman's first name was Jose. He goes, he beat me. He beat me. Uh, yeah. Um, and this happened years and years ago in the early days of grading. So you okay. have to be very, very, very careful. Even if it's in a PSA slab, show caution, ask questions find people that know about it and say, Hey, is this pack look legit? Um, because you could easily get, you know, you could lose a lot of money because there's a lot of money involved. So let me try to explain and you can add sure. in whatever I miss. Coalition is a word we throw around in the, the card community because back in the day they would print cards on sheets, right? They were on these mm -hmm. giant sheets. 
And so as they would cut the cards, they would all tend to be in the same order. You know, mm -hmm. they would go, if you got a pack with somebody on front, you could probably go through and go, well, I know I'm going to have this person, this person, this person, this person, because all the packs were collated together. Mm -hmm. uh, think about printing on your computer or something. If you're printing a large document of 20 pages and you're printing 10 copies of it and you tell the printer to collate, it'll put the first 20 and then it'll do the next version of the 20 pages and by, and go on and go on. Right. Same mm -hmm. true same is true in baseball cards as they would collate packs and, and rack packs and all of that stuff. So that when we talk about collation, when you talk about collation, mm -hmm. um, anything I missed on collation that would be good to add? No, I mean, uh, with rack packs, it's just a little bit different. Cellos and racks are a little different because uh, cellos are about the cards that are before the gum and then after the gum. The gum is the divider for which sheets are possible for a lot of the vintage cellos for rack packs. It's generally uh, there's two, there's six sheets generally for the baseball set. Uh, there's two sheets in the, uh, the cell closest to the header of the rack that are possible. There's two sheets in the middle and there's two sheets at the furthest from the header. And so if you get a rack, one of the things Steve does when he authenticates, he uh, will shift the cards around in the rack and look at the sheets that the cards are in, in the rack just to see, because if the collation is off, he won't wrap it. If he says, I don't know what's going on here. I'm not saying it's fake, but I've never seen something like this before. So there's more to it than just looking at the seal of, of a pack. You know, when you're authenticating, there's a lot of knowledge that it takes to, to do yeah. this. Yeah. The depth of it is more than I think people really that aren't in the unopened world mm -hmm. might not appreciate how much goes into it. Let's, let's talk about authentication Sure. fakes we've mentioned we kind of danced around this topic a little bit i want to get right into the middle of it sure the expert on grading unopened is steve hart from baseball card exchange right yes uh that they have I mean, steve's been doing it for 20 years i want to guess something like that probably uh he's an expert in the field when you want to get a rack pack authenticated Sure. You mail it to them directly to baseball card exchange and they will wrap it and wrapping it just means they put their kind of seal of approval. They, they literally wrap it with cellophane that's has the baseball card exchange logo on it. And you know, okay, this has been authenticated by baseball card exchange. Um, what does it cost to send a, a P an item in to get authenticated? And is it different for racks versus boxes versus other things? Yes. Uh, generally, um, he will charge 8% of the, the declared value of the box. And they, okay. have a, a, they have a price guide on their website for here's how much this box would cost to authenticate. Um, racks are generally uh, $8 a piece to get wrapped. They, he puts them in a rack pack top loader uh, that was designed. I don't know how long they've been around, but it's pretty cool. It's just a big top load you can slide your rack packs into uh, and then they wrap it. Uh, it's $8 or uh, for an extra $2, he can put these black inserts into the top load to make the rack kind of pop against a black backdrop. He creates his so, own tuxedo for it. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I actually, I used to like the tuxedo look a lot more. Now actually I don't as much because some of the racks that I've been trying to pick up, they're kind of, um, 
the cellophane's just different, um, really, uh, for a lot of the racks in the 70s. And it just doesn't look as good with the tuxedo. Some of the 80s stuff looks amazing with it. But I don't know. I've kind of changed my stance on that. But We're allowed to but, do that as collectors. We can oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> as we age and mature and all these different things. Um, I would think it's like anything else. In fact, maybe even more prevalent that trying to fake resealing of packs and cellos and mm -hmm. things is incredibly common. Uh, I mean, I hear about packs even today getting resealed, you know, and put it back on the shelf at Walmart or whatever. So you can only imagine the higher the value, the more it inspires crooks to do crooked things, right? Yes, absolutely. And sometimes they they don't even try to reseal it. They'll sell a pack that is partially opened. I've gotten rack packs in the past in the mail, not ad, not advertised as such. Uh, you get it, and the last cell is is split open. It's popped open, and the okay. seller probably saw it and just decided, you know what, it's still unopened. I think because I haven't opened it, so it's just blatant sometimes. Um, but it, it can be tricky too, though, because there are some really really good con artists out there that especially with rack packs if you ask steve he'll tell you rack packs are the hardest thing to authenticate people think that they're the they're the oh that's the easiest to or they're, they're the that must be the hardest to uh to fake not really uh and you have to the, the ones that give themselves away are the ones that don't know about collation the fraudsters that haven't done the research to and that's why when i half or a lot of the videos on my channel i'm just pointing out fakes that are on eBay, you know, just saying, okay, well, no, given what we know about collation, this is a fake pack. Someone's done That's something to this. Interesting. Cause if you think about, it, I'm thinking about how a crook would think, which is mm -hmm. not a good road to go down, but I'm going <laughs> to go down anyway. Sure. The, a wax pack is sealed and you can't see the cards, mm -hmm. right? Yep. A rack pack, you can see all three cells and see the top card, see the bottom card. If you know the collation, in theory, you would know what other cards are in that cell, right? Yeah. Yeah. For the most so of the time. Yeah. If you have a certain year, uh, 79 tops, for example, and you won an Aussie Smith, you know what, and you do the right homework. In mm -hmm. theory, you could find what rack pack you have a really good shot of hitting an Aussie Smith in, right? So, uh, yeah. Uh, most of the time. And, but what's tricky about it, and this is where the breaking companies are so deceitful right? They'll, they'll sell spots in a break, right? They'll sell to stick with the 1979 tops example. They'll sell, uh, the entire rack pack. Okay. Uh, everybody gets a card. Ozzy Smith in the legitimate 79 can only appear in the header cell of 79 tops. And so there's, they're, they're opening the packs going, Oh, let's see if this cell has a Smith. Let's find the Smith. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. The only there's literally it's like opening a single wax pack that actually where you actually have a chance of getting the Smith. So right. there's there's not a greater chance when you open a rack pack if the collation's correct. Right. Uh, and some years have collation issues uh, where any card can appear in any cell at any time. Uh, Eighty three tops being one of the most notable, but most of the time tops put cards in speci only from specific seats uh, sheets and specific cells. So anyone that's opening the 79 tops pack, looking for rip, uh, looking for Smith header sales, the only place you're going to find him. 
but is it true? And again, I'm trying to learn sure. here. Is, sure. Is it true? If you look at that header cell on a 79 tops pack and Eddie mm -hmm. Murray, if Eddie Murray is the guy that always leads, you know, which card always leads to an Aussie Smith, you know, sure. if you see this card on the top, highly likely that three cards down, you're going to find an Aussie Smith. Rookie. Absolutely. Yep. Is that and true? Yes, that is true. And there are indicators for 75s there there uh for Yount and Brett. I don't I don't know them off the top of my head, but some of the the guys and that I've learned from uh would certainly know um that there's a it's not positive. It, you know, it's not a sure thing because there could they could switch the sheet or something could could happen, but there's a very high likelihood given what we know about collation. That's fascinating to me that if someone wanted to figure that out back in the day, right? But back then, you wouldn't have yeah. done that back in the day. You know, I'm talking about in 75 or 76. I guess if you open enough of them, you would figure that out. Like, oh, this is going to be this group of players, you know? Um, so when you get it wrapped, it's $8. Mm -hmm. Does that include the authentication of the pack too? Yep. From Baseball Card Exchange? Yep. Okay. Yeah. And it's really a bargain because the top yeah, loaders, like, totally yeah, the, top, the top loaders themselves are around five bucks a piece. So you're paying three, Steve $3 for his opinion on a pack. Uh, and what, what I really appreciate about him and his business model and anybody that knows him just, just beams about him because he's just a, just a fantastic businessman and he's so good at what he does. But if he's 99.9% .9 sure it's legit, he doesn't wrap it. He has got to Either be sure or not. Yep. It's if there's binary this, for him, I, I've gotten packs rejected where he goes, I don't like this one little crinkle in the cellophane and I can't wrap this. Wow. Yeah. And every, everything he's rejected from me, he said, I'm pretty sure this is legit, but I'm not, I'm not in the business of being pretty sure. So that's, so that's a great business model. Do you still pay the $8 by the way? If you uh, well, they say on the website that if a pack is deemed to be not good, that you still owe money for the services rendered. He has never once charged me for a pack that he hasn't authenticated. And you see it over and over in the group, uh, in the Facebook groups that I'm in. There's unopened groups on Facebook. If you can believe it, a lot of crazy guys like me that are just showing pictures of <laughs> wax boxes and cello packs and things. But, um, He's yeah. He usually will just say, "Don't worry about it. Don't worry about the." Well, this is the part of the show that the YouTube viewers are going to like, and the podcast listeners not so much. But I'd love to have you show off a couple of packs that you have that I sure. that, you, that you brought out to show. Sure. And these are my two most recent additions, uh, and I'm pretty excited about them. No Hall of Famer showing on the first one, but this is a 1977. Sorry about the glare. This is a 1977 Tops Rack Pack that I uh, got in a trade with another collector. I love the headers. I love, you know, it, it's the headers always tend to mimic the style used on the wax packs and or the boxes, right? Yes. Uh, so the fonts and the colors and everything is, so that was 49 cents back in 1977 to buy a rack pack, man. If I could go, I'd just unload the, Oh, absolutely. I'd go nuts, right? <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And it's, um, and I uh, actually, uh, there's some really, really people out there that got in, but I got in at the bad time with the unopened market. I got in when the market was really taking off and prices were going up. A lot of my friends and people that I know in the community that have been doing it a long time, 
that got in when the market was much uh, uh, softer, if you will, uh, they have more impressive collections than I do because they just were able to accumulate a lot more. So I'm in the, <laughs> I'm literally. That's, true. Down. that's true in the card world too, for sure. Like guys that got in early, that's true kind of in of anything, right? Uh, I yeah. wish I would have bought Google stock, you know, Oh, sure. 15 years ago. That, that's true probably of any market, but uh, what else you got there? This is, there is lefty on top. So you got another 77 tops pack. I'm trying to be descriptive. Oh, sure. Of course. Yeah. He's yeah, got 19- a beautiful Steve Carlton there. Um, does it change? The, I want to talk about values of rack packs sure. or any pack really. Sure. But let's talk rack packs because you can see the cards and you can see the condition of the cards. You can see the centering of the cards. All Does all of that affect the value of that rack pack? Uh, the, definitely the player showing uh, can have a very uh, serious val- uh, impact on the value. The condition of the cards does matter. The condition of the header matters. I actually have a 77 rack that I picked up on eBay recently that is currently uh, Steve is looking at, and the header is just, I got a deal on this pack, but it's because the header's just, I don't know what happened to this pack, but it's just creased yeah. and nasty. I mean, everything looks legit. The collation looks correct, um, but it's just... I got a deal on it because it's just not quite as nice looking. Um, so the condition does matter. Uh, there could be a major premium if it's a major star showing, right? So for example, these are both probably, I'd say that the one with all commons is probably around $800. The one with uh, Steve Carlson is probably $900, give or take, if I had to uh, estimate. That's so it, fascinating because that's a $2 card. Yep. But it affects the value $100, let's say, yep. right? It does. Like, that why <laughs> I uh, just wonder it, it's desire it's desirability it's the presentation of the pack uh, and it, it gets even crazier with some players like for instance a 77 rack with Nolan Ryan on top right we're probably talking 1500 to two thousand dollars wow just to have a guy that again, just to have Nolan Ryan five dollar card to have yep. the right guy on the pack. Yep. And, uh, and the market and it, the market is, is fickle like that. Some players are really get a lot of love, uh, reliever relief pitchers don't really get a lot of love. You can pick up a lot of cheap, you know, Eckersley Gaylord or Gaylord Perry, Bruce, Rack, Suter. Bruce yeah. Suter. Yeah. The Bruce Suter market. I don't think I've ever met a Bruce Suter unopened collector actually, but <laughs> <laughs> not any, not to pick on him, but, uh, but then there are some players like Ryan's one Ripken is one. Um, that were um, Smith, the Smith Mark, Aussie Smith market's pretty strong. There's some players that just people go crazy when the card's showing. Interesting. So, you, there are literally people out there that collect unopened of a certain player. Like, I only want racks with Nolan Ryan on the top or whatever. Yes. Yes. Is there are right? Ryan collectors. There's Ripken collectors. Um, there's some, some people try to focus just on specific, uh, eras you know so for example i'm really trying to focus on 1977 and earlier uh just because that's where the rarity sets in like i said um some people just like one year i know several people that are really focused on 1978 tops cello and rack packs and that is like that's one of the only things they do they just 78 78 78 if there's one for sale odds are they're bidding on it um so there's different ways that people do it are there unopened rack pack boxes out there? Like, can you find an, a complete box of rack packs, for example, uh, from, the, from those seventies years? Yes. I mean, but again, there are collectors that have them that, it, I mean, they will be, I don't want to say they will be buried with them, but 
it would take a something, a, an act of God to get to get it out of their hands. I know, I know one gentleman in particular who has two full or two almost full 1975 tops rack pack boxes. And those just, just don't see the light of day very often, is your point. Yeah, no, 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 they don't. They don't. They don't. Uh, because when you when they come up for sale, uh, it is a single pack at a time. Usually, sometimes someone will put a big lot. I think there's actually a lot on eBay right now of like 17 BBCE wrapped 75 racks. I don't know why the sellers put them all together. You'd probably do better. It's much more cost uh, uh, prohibitive in a large lot like that. You know, so people like me, I can afford one rack at a time. You know, I may purchase five a year at this rate just because the market is so crazy. That is unbelievable. Um, I was thinking about what else determines value. You've talked about sure. players. You've talked about the condition mm -hmm. of the pack, mm -hmm. whether it's a rack pack or, you know, if the cello is, mm -hmm. you know, I remember cello packs as a kid, especially like I bought a ton of 84 Fleer cellos for some weird reason when I was a kid. Um, and the, the plastic, the cellophane, whatever it is, is incredibly fragile. Like to imagine that, you know, a corner doesn't get pulled up and ripped or part mm -hmm. of it getting whatever is, is fascinating. Um, and then I have a bunch, I have a bunch of rack packs here. I've got oh, cool. 88 Fleer. Um, let's see how close they are. Oh, they're right here. So here's an 88 Fleer rack. You know, these are a dime a dozen. Literally, they're not expensive at all. Sure. But they're actually packs of packs. So you've yep. got three yep. wax packs in a rack pack. It's not exposed. The cards aren't exposed. Like, do you need an 88 Fleer rack pack? I got <laughs> Well, uh, they actually made uh, racks like that for 1980 tops. They did 1980 tops wax racks. Really? Yes, they did. And they also distributed wax packs in trays. They put them in this little cardboard tray in, lot, in sets of three. They did this for uh, 78, 77, 79. I don't know how far back it goes. I've seen a few uh, 75 wax trays. It's just three wax packs and it's wrapped in cellophane and has the tops logo and a price on top. Hmm. And so there are people that just collect those that just collect trays. Uh, uh, these are actually from Toys R Us. And, oh, that's uh, cool. They were a dollar twenty nine at the time, and I think I actually paid less than that a couple <laughs> years ago. I found these at an antique mall. Oh, okay. I just said, "Well, that's interesting." I mean, I like eighty eight Fleer. Yeah, they were like a dollar a pack or something stupid. So I bought like a whole box of them, and I've opened, I don't know, half the box just for giggles. Sure. Uh, well, at a dollar a pack, you know, can't find anything for a dollar a pack t nowadays, right? So yeah, no, no, and well, and yeah. the joy you get out of opening it, you know, the qualitative pleasure of it, you know, and that's where it's hard to quantify some of it because I know uh, one of my closest friends uh, in the unopened community, uh, he occasionally will rip his stuff. He on his YouTube channel a few weeks ago, he ripped a 1975 top cello pack just because he just loves the process of unopen of, of opening packs vintage and getting fresh mint cards out of packs. Uh, it's not something I would have done, but he had a great time with it and he did it. And you know, if, if you enjoy it, 
you know, so that's where there's more to this than just value, you know, and similar, sure. a similar sentiment to what uh, you have expressed many times on your channel on the uh, baseball collector channel is that I actually prefer down markets. <laughs> I wish the, I, I hope the unopened market tanks uh, at least temporarily so I can buy some stuff for cheap. And then, you know, because yeah, it's great if you're a collector. Yeah. And people don't understand that when I say stuff like that, they think I'm great. Why would you want it to go down? Well, cause yeah. I'm trying to buy stuff, man. I'm not, yeah. <laughs> I'm not selling anything, Yeah, uh, but there are, you know, there's so many people that sell stuff to fund their hobby. Mm -hmm. I, I think the definition of a collector is I don't sell stuff. Well, maybe that's not true. That's not fair. Cause there are plenty of people that I know that are really great collectors that do sell things to sure. fund their hobby. So that's not really a fair statement, but I'm just not one of those guys. I don't. Sure. Know. Sure. Well, I, and I do, I, I have a self-sustaining hobby and there are times I've gone through phases with my, with my unopened collection uh, where I'll be really into a certain product for a while. Like uh, I think the first six months of this year, I bought eight or nine 83 Donruss racks, which is actually a very hard rack pack to get a hold of. Really? And then, yeah, uh, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know it. Uh, and it's the cello racks, not, they made wax racks too, but those are available where it's three wax packs where you, you know, where it hangs. Um, I went through a phase with that and then I was like, you know, I really, I want to focus on the 70s stuff, the true vintage rarities that are out there. And so I, you know, use part of that money to purchase, you know, some of the, these other packs that I have. So I've, I've done that. I'm guilty of that. So sometimes I've, I have seller's remorse though, after I've, there's been a few things I've let go and I'm like, Oh, that hurts. I shouldn't have done that. So what's kind of your Holy grail item. If you could say, I'd love to get this unopened piece of memorabilia, what would it be? Sure. Um, I would have to say some of the really early, either early seventies or a late sixties rack. So with like a 1968 tops rack, that would be just amazing. Um, I've once in a while, they'll come up at auction, maybe as a 69 or 70 top, something like that. Uh, and that's really as, as old as it gets for what we do. There was a few 67s or quite, there was a find of 67 racks a while back and they, they appeared at auction and, uh, two of the racks actually had mantle on top. Oh, wow. Mantle card on top, which you can imagine what those went for. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh but you know, some, something in, in that era would just be amazing. Maybe someday I'll oh. get one. Someday we're always on the journey. As yes. Do, right. Yes. It's always about the journey, but <clears throat> Brandon, man, thanks. I want you to tell everybody how they can, if they want to learn more about this, how to find your channel, how to learn more about this stuff, watching sure. you, where can they find you? Sure. Uh, my, my YouTube channel is Brandon's baseball cards. Uh, I also have a podcast called the collecting vintage unopened podcast that is on buzz sprout. Uh, but I also, I post the videos uh, to the podcast on my YouTube channel. And on there, I interview unopened collectors. I uh, discuss, uh, you know, uh, my history with unopened. It's really just a podcast devoted to this, you know, very niche area of the hobby. And I know on your YouTube channel, at one point you interviewed Steve Hart, right? I did. I interviewed Steve Hart. Uh, I've interviewed uh, uh, Kurt Christensen, who is the, uh, I have a ripping vintage pack shirt on. This is a, he's an unopened collector. I thought, uh, He'd get a kick out of that if he watches this, but, uh, <laughs> um, he, uh, he, he has been interviewed on my channel. I interviewed recently, um, um, rack pack collector named Mike, uh, 
um, Serencione, make sure I pronounce his yeah, last name correctly. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, not, not you. Uh, uh, just a, a really, really nice rack pack collection. Um, there's been a lot of people that have participated, so it's been a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, everybody check out Brandon. If you don't already, I encourage it. He, he does a great job talking about the hobby a lot and, and what his love is, which is unopened vintage rack pack. So Brandon, thanks again for being on the show, man. I really appreciate it. No, thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. And now I got to be on your show. Yes, absolutely. We'll get you and on. I'll have nothing to say because I don't know anything about unopened, but <laughs> so it'll, be, it'll, be, it'll be a short episode, but we'll, we'll, make it. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll have a good time no matter what. And I've had a great time talking to you today. So thanks a lot. Same. Here.